Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. My title of the message is Praise for the Labor. Praise for the Labor. Um, Wednesday night I talked about the prayer of praise and worship a little bit. And uh, right now I just want to talk about that there is a praise for the labor. You know, God calls us to labor. God calls us to work for him, but there is a posture that we can have of praise. There's a posture and an attitude that we each individually get to choose to have in the labor. And, and I know it's not always easy. Our posture sometimes is not of praise. It's more of, I'm barely getting through this. And that's where depression and anxiety and worry and stress and anger and all these things that affect us emotionally can ultimately cause us to not produce fruit as laborers, to not be as uh, disciplined as laborers, to not have as much work ethic as laborers. Amen? So we're going to get into the Word and talk about a praise for the labor. But let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person here today. I thank you right now for the Word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between the soul and the spirit. God, I thank you between bone and marrow. It's a discerner of our heart. I think it's a lamp into our feet. It's a light into our path. The Bible says that the entrance of your word, Father, gives light to the simple. I thank you that it gives us revelation and understanding today. To every single person that's here, whether they've been serving God for a long time or maybe this is their first time in the church, that the word of God will just come alive within them. That the gospel, the seed of your word, Father God, will just implant deep within their heart and will produce in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to be seated. Say praise. praise. I remember my father used to uh, go to Bible school. It was around 1998. Um, him and my mom actually both were in Bible school. And this is probably around the same time Pastor Brian was in Bible school as well. And they had a Bible school teacher that would sing a song, and they would sing it every time before they taught the class. And I remember I would sometimes go with my parents because we weren't able to stay home because we were still too young. And so we would go to Bible school with them, and we'd be sitting in the back, you know, drawing and stuff. They didn't have iPads and things like that back then. Um, so we actually either had to listen or we had to draw pictures and remember coloring books. Those were really big back then. Um, I don't even think my son owns a coloring book. He does coloring on his iPad. <laughs> it's kind of weird, isn't it? But um, I remember as a kid, they would sing this song every single uh, time they had Bible school. And it would go a little bit like this. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. The Lord has made. I will rejoice. Remember that song? Yeah. <laughs> I remember it. Now, when they started singing it, it was a lot like how you sounded just now. <laughs> it's like, this is the thing. <laughs> but this Bible school teacher was like, we're not going to finish until everyone's shouting it. I'm being real. Like, and I remember they start off all quiet, this is the day. And then they start clapping, and they're all in a circle. And then it'd be like, this is the day. Everyone's shouting it. The joy of the Lord's in them. And then they sit down and he preaches the word. But I remember it took a while for them to get to that place of praise. It was like they had to work themselves to that place, obviously, because of people around them. 
You know, some people can't sing. It's like, oh, I hope they don't hear my voice. Some people weren't singing it. They were speaking it. Come on. How many sing like that? You don't sing, you speak it. Come on. There might be some of you here today. You just speak the lyrics rather than sing the lyrics. I get it. Hey, more power to you. You got to do what you have to do. But I just remember as a kid seeing them start off weak, but then ending really strong. Starting off because it came back, they came from work. You know, my dad would work 12-hour days at a refinery, uh, a chemical plant. Uh, my mom, she'd be working. She, she worked at the school sometimes. She was uh, helping with the faculty and stuff. And other people, they would come from their jobs. They'd be tired. But they made a commitment to go to Bible school. And I just remember seeing them, you know, work themselves up, get into that place. Like Paul even told Timothy, stir yourself up. Stir up the gift. You know, when you serve God, it's not always going to be moments where you're just ready to go off the cuff. Like, come on, let's go. Well, how many people wake up in the morning like that? You're just like that. I'm like that. My wife's not. She needs about an hour drinking her coffee, being left alone, and just don't talk to her. You know, I'm completely different. I'm awake. I'm ready to talk. I'm just up. Even if I only slept for a couple of hours, I'm awake. Uh, how many are like that? But I remember just seeing... From the start, you know, it, it took some work to get to finally. But when they ended it, man, the sound that all came from them, it was of unity. It was in unison. It didn't matter how good you sang or anything. It was about the heart. It was about their posture, even in that moment of singing, turned to God. Their posture turned to the Lord, and it was a posture of praise. It was a posture of Praise. The Bible says this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. I'm going to read a series of verses speaking about, you ready for a cool name? Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. He's so fat. Jehoshaphat. <laughs> and we're going to read a series of scriptures, and we're going to see what the power of praise can do. Amen? 2 Chronicles chapter 20, in verse 1, it says, After this... The Moabites and the Anionites, and with some of the Minyanites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazan Tamar. I know I said that probably wrong. That is Engadid. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. And proclaimed a fast through all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now, I'll stop for a moment. Now, if you know anything about Jehoshaphat, he was one of the only kings in that time that was following after the Lord. And in prior chapters, he was even with King Ahab, who was one of the most wicked kings of Israel. Come on, have me know a little bit about King Ahab. He was a wicked king, him and Jezebel. But King Ahab just died prior in this last chapter. And Jehoshaphat now has all these enemies that are coming against him. He's in fear. He's afraid. And this is what his response is in a moment of fear. Seek the face of God. Seek the face of God. Something happens when you make a decision, even in fear, to not respond in fear, but to respond by seeking 
the face of God. You can still have fear. Let me help you today. You can still have fear and start your way to the Lord. And fear may still be there. But let me help you. The moment you get into that place and you start seeking God, it may be five minutes, it may be 10 minutes, it may be 20 minutes, an hour. It may be one day, two days, a week. But you'll get to a place where fear is overridden by praise, where fear is overridden because you've been seeking God and seeking his face. See, right now you are going through some things, but let me help you. If you seek the face of God, seek his face. In a moment, things can change. And what I mean by change is within you. Transformation first happens within a person, not the environment. His environment has not changed. They were still coming to attack him. But Jehoshaphat said, in this middle of my greatest fear, where people are coming to attack us, and they will beat us because their numbers are big and our numbers are small, he said, it's time to seek the face of God. We're going to seek his face. Now, I'm going to read, and it says that he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. And Judea assembled to seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. Now look at this. He got not just himself, but everybody. The whole tribe of Judah. It says, Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judah. So that's everybody. Everybody now is seeking the face of God. What would happen if a church sought God? What would happen if a church became a house of prayer and not a den of thieves? Amen? Amen. Where it's just man-made organization, where it's just about man. But no, we are called to be a house of prayer. We are called to seek the face of God. You know, you hear all these things about what's going wrong within the world. What about what's going right? See, I don't focus on the wrong things or the bad things. I focus on what we are doing, the good things. Because I'm a child of light. And we're going to preach the gospel because the gospel is light in a dark world. Amen? See, our job as laborers is to seek God's face. And it starts in a position of praise. Praise. But you may not feel like praising right now as you start to seek God. And I understand You may feel like only giving him a little bit of your time. You know, we did a fast. And I know for some it was difficult. It was hard. It was challenging. But just because something's challenging or hard doesn't mean we give up or quit. No, we continue to move forward. We continue to push forward. We continue to move right along looking to Jesus, seeing him. Amen? And it says that they were all now seeking the face of God. There was a fast throughout all Judea. And Jehoshaphat, verse 5, stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said this, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations, and your hand are power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? 
And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you. For your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Notice how he's addressing God. He's addressing him by who he is and what he has done and what he has promised. He's not addressing God according to what's taking place of these men coming after him in fear. No, he's walking in the fear of God. See, a posture of praise is not walking in the fear of man, but it's walking in the fear of God. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In order to know God and to understand God, and have the wisdom of God, we must walk in fear of God. Fear of God does not mean I'm afraid of him as so much as I am in awe of him. I am in reverence of who he is. He is God. And all power, strength, and authority is in the name of Jesus. All power. All authority. And guess what? The Bible says that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. We have a reason to praise. See, praise will cause deliverance in your life. We see in Acts chapter 16 a moment where two men named Paul and Silas were praising God in the midnight hour in a jail cell. They're in prison, shackled up, chains. And instead of being in fear and worrying about their life, they said, we're going to praise. They started singing hymns. They started singing unto the Lord in the midnight hour. And the midnight hour usually for us looks like in the moment of great struggle, of great hardship. See, let's learn from Paul and Silas and not worry and be full of anxiety and doubt and unbelief. But let's do what Philippians 4, 4 verse 4 says, rejoice. In the Lord, again, I say, rejoice. Be anxious about nothing. What does your midnight hour look like right now? Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's directional. You don't know what direction to do. Maybe something is going on within your mental capacity right now, within your mind. You're struggling. Maybe you've lost somebody today, and you don't know how to deal with the grief of that. Maybe it's addiction, and you don't know how to get away from it. In the midnight hour, Paul and Silas praised. See, your response in the midnight hour needs to be praise. And what is praise? Well, praise is this. I praise him from a standpoint of faith in his word. I'm not praising from an emotional standpoint. I'm not praising him from what I feel. Because if you go by your emotions and your feelings, you'll never praise. I'm praising God from faith in his word. What does his word tell me? He says rejoice. Even when I'm going through it, yeah, rejoice. Even when it's hard, rejoice. Even when they tell me that that's not going to last much longer, 
that, you know, that person's going to die. You know, that sickness, oh, it's, it's, too, it's too grave. It's too great. What do I do? Rejoice. There are people in this house that in their moment of greatest pain physically, rather than worrying. Now, there were moments. Oh, yeah, there were moments. And it's okay to have moments. But even in their greatest moments of testing, they decided to praise. And there was deliverance. God will deliver you. And if you notice in Acts 16, when Paul and Silas praised God, what happened? The foundations of the earth, the foundations of the jail cell were shaken. Their chains were broken loose. And even in that, the jailer that was watching over them was going to jump on his sword and kill himself because he thought that they all left and ran away. And he knew that his life would have been taken from him. But Paul and Silas said, no, don't kill yourself. No, here's the gospel. Let me tell you what God and who he is and what he can do for you. And it says that his family got baptized. They got saved. Notice what happens, that when you experience deliverance in your life, it doesn't just affect you, but it affects those around you. It affects your family. It affects your friends. It affects your coworkers. See, when people see that your response in life is praise, it will cause them to question you. Like, how could you praise God when you know you got cancer in your body? Because I know who my God is. And I know what he is capable of doing. How can you praise God when your marriage is in shambles? Because I'm believing for restoration. Amen? See, we have a greater promise than what the world has. How can you praise God... When you're constantly struggling with the same habitual sin. How? Because I know greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Now 2 Chronicles 20 in verse 10 it says, And now behold the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt. So he's telling God. He's giving testimony of what God has done. And this is what praise is. It is testifying of the goodness of our God. It is testifying of who he is. So in moments of great stress, even David said in, I think it's Psalms 41, in his moments of great distress, he cried out upon the Lord. See, praise is when you call upon the name of the Lord. When you trust in him. When you say, God... I trust in you. I have confidence in you. So I'm going to rejoice. I'm not going to be anxious about today. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to doubt or have unbelief. But I'll be full of faith. And he continues to testify of what God has done. And in verse 13, look here. Meanwhile, all Judea stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. In verse 14, and the spirit of the Lord came upon, the spirit of the Lord came upon, does this sound like something? Isaiah 61, go there for a moment. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to be, bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Who said these words? Jesus did in Luke 4. Remember he came and he opened the scroll and he turned to Isaiah 61 and he read this and he said, in this day, this scripture has been fulfilled. 
Do you know that the Spirit of God is still falling on people? That the Spirit of God is still coming upon people? Even Jesus said, I have to leave, <laughs> but there's someone that's coming. The Comforter, the Helper, and he will help you. He will comfort you, and you shall be anointed with power, according to Acts 1.8. How many of you know today that there is power within you that comes by the Holy Ghost? See, the moments we get in the presence of God and begin to seek his face and we begin to praise God, the Spirit of God will begin to show up. These people are fasting, they're seeking God, they're reminding God, they're praising him for who he is, and then the Spirit of the Lord falls upon one of them. Now look what happens. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, son of Jael, son of... Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, he, ready? Now by the Spirit of God, he's about to prophesy. And he said, listen, all Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord to you, do not be afraid, and do not be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. How many know that the battle is not yours today, but it is the Lord's? And you already have victory in Jesus Christ. So our position in the battle is of rest. The Bible says it this way, that for I have overcome the world so that you may have rest. So our position of fighting, knowing that it's not flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle, is to stand in Christ Jesus. It is of rest in Jesus Christ, knowing that he is seated at the right hand of the Father and you are seated with him. The battle is won. The battle of depression in your life is won. The battle of loneliness is won. The battle of frustration and anger is won. The battle of sexual immorality within your life is won. The battle of broken relationship is won. Come on. And because of that, I praise. This is the day. Hey, this is the day. See, my worship is not in response to what's going on in my life, but it's in response to who he is in my life. My praise doesn't come from my emotional state, from my, what I feel, but it comes from who I am in Christ Jesus. That's why I praise. See, when we begin to testify of the goodness of God in our life, when we begin to remind God of who he is, the spirit of God will come in. He'll fall. Father, I think that the spirit of God will fall in this house as we seek your face. Come on, how many believe it today? That the spirit of God will fall on his people. He will. But will you seek his face? And it says this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Oh, it's easy to be afraid. It's easy to be dismayed. It's easy to be run off course and not know what to do. But he says here, don't be afraid. What's the opposite of fear? What's the opposite of being afraid? Faith. Trust. Confidence. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, a familiar scripture everybody knows. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. When I go in my own understanding, well, of course I'm going to walk in fear. Because I can see what's going on. It's going to cause fear. 
It's going to cause depression. It's going to cause anxiety. Go back to Isaiah 61. Look at this. Now, the Spirit of the Lord, this was a prophecy that Isaiah, the prophet, was speaking about that would be fulfilled by the Messiah. And we know in Luke 4 that Jesus fulfilled this. But look, in verse 3 it says, or actually go to verse 2, it says, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn. So there's comfort for the mourning. There's comfort for those that cry. There's comfort for those who are in grief. To grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. Another translation says, to give them beauty for ashes. Let me read from a different translation. The ESV, I like it, but I've read Isaiah 61 in the, in the New King James for so long. I just like it so much more. So go to verse 3. I'm going to read it. It says, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint, and it's still ESV. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm reading this. I'm like, this isn't right. There it is. Yeah. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness. Now look at this. An oil of joy for mourning. Beauty for ashes. A garment of praise. Today, is that your response to what you're going on, what's going through your life? Notice that it comes through the Lord. It says that he'll give you an oil of joy. Oil lubricates. How many know that the oil that we see in the Bible is also referred to as the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit dwells in you. See, you have an opportunity as a Christian to turn to the Spirit of God. To be led by the Spirit of God and that oil, who he is, will lubricate. It will strengthen you and it will cause joy in your life. Joy. Say joy. 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 Joy doesn't come from how I feel. That's not joy. That's why your life may feel like a roller coaster up and down all the time, and you never have any solid ground to stand on. No, joy isn't by what's going on in my environment. No, joy is a choice and a stance in faith of who God is in my life and who the Holy Spirit is in me. Do you know the Holy Spirit today? Do you know him? He wants to lead you. He wants to lead you. It says he'll give you an oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, what's the spirit of heaviness? Well, the Bible also translates another way, a faint spirit. Someone that's heavy burdened. Maybe you came in here today a heavy burden. You came in here with the spirit of heaviness. You can leave this place putting on the garment of praise. Maybe you have a different type of garment today. Maybe it's a garment of depression. Maybe it's a garment, whatever you've gone through, whatever labels have been labeled on you. There's a greater garment, and it's called the garment of praise. Notice, though, it's something that you put on. you got to put on praise. It don't just happen. Like I said, they started to sing. It wasn't praise yet. It was, they were just getting to that place. They had to build themselves up. They had to work themselves. They had to stir themselves up to get to that place of praise. See, you got to put it on. 
There's a man by Smith Wigglesworth. I know it's a funny name. But he would wake up every morning, and by the side of his bed, he would praise God, and he would jump, he would sing, and he would just get into that place in the spirit. He made a choice every morning. I'm going to praise God. Think about what would happen. You jump on the side of your bed, and you start jumping and praising. He's like, man, my wife would look at me. You're crazy. <laughs> they might jump along the right side with you. My dog may be looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> nah, that's more so a cat, right? <laughs> Dogs would be happy to jump. Cats would be like, no, nah, I'm not part of this. <laughs> I'm not a big cat fan, if you didn't know. <laughs> but listen, you got to put on the garment of praise. Today, if there's depression in your life, today, if there's loneliness, if there's anxiety, if there's worry, any of those things, you got to put on the garment of praise. Not by what you feel, but by who he is in you. Back to 2 Chronicles 20. And it says this. Tomorrow, go down against them, verse 16. Behold, they will come up by the act accent of Ziz, you will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. What? I'm talking about a battle. He's saying you're not going to have to fight. How are we going to win the battle? Notice that when God tells you to do something, it doesn't comprehend a lot of times with what you think you should do. All right, God, put my praise on. I'm ready to go. Well, how are we going to win this thing? All right, do I need to tell this person off? No. He would say, no, walk in forgiveness and forgive them. Like, what? You don't know what they did to me. How can I walk in forgiveness? No, go give them $100. Go bless them. How many of you ever had that happen before? You're cursing the people, and God said, no, go bless them instead of cursing. Come on. He does think. I mean, he goes in directions and ways that we can't comprehend with our mind. But if you will trust him and allow him to lead you, it will cause you within your heart to be healed. See, today I feel in my spirit there are people that are brokenhearted within your heart. There's depression. And because of that, you've been sick in your body a lot, physically. But it's because of a broken spirit. But let me help you today. Put on the garment of praise. Put it on. Begin to look unto God and see him according to who he is and what his word says and live your life accordingly. Pattern your life after him. Stop trying to handle the situation within your own strength. The Bible says in Ephesians 3 that the Holy Spirit will strengthen you in your inner man. Notice that strengthening within our spirit, which is also the inner man or the heart of a man, comes by the Holy Ghost. He will strengthen you. Get in the presence of the Father. Just like they were here, Judah, they got in the presence of God. They seek God. Now, look, he says, you will not fight this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Three things he said. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. If we would do these three things, these three things. Stand firm. Stand firm where? In faith. Stand firm. I know it's a battle, but the battle is the Lord's, not yours. So stand firm. The Bible says, 
stand. And having done all you could do, continue to stand. In Ephesians 6, stand. Putting on the whole armor of God. It says, hold your position. Actually, in Ephesians 6, if you continue to read within there, towards the end, it says in verse 18, after it talks about the armor of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Praying at all times. So our response to God or to life is praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer, with all supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for even all the saints, the people around you. Notice that we are always in a place within our life of the prayer of faith or petitioning of God. And that is a type of prayer. I even mentioned it Wednesday night. But this type of prayer that he's speaking of in Ephesians, this is a type of, this type of prayer is of praise and of worship unto God. It's praising him. The Bible even says it this way. In verse 18 of Ephesians 5, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. I mean, that's straightforward right there. What is he talking about? Well, what does this represent? The things of the world. The things of the world cannot help you. Only God can. Only the Spirit of God can. They can medicate. They can do things to make you feel better. But the Spirit of God will cause freedom in your life. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Today, you're going to have to make a choice to be filled with the Spirit of God. Instead of running to those weaknesses and those things that only give joy for a moment, that only really numb the pain, no, you have to run to the Spirit of God and get filled in the Spirit. Be filled constantly in the spirit. Now, finishing up, 2 Chronicles 20. This man, by the spirit of God, prophesied and said exactly what they needed to do. Stand firm. Hold your position. Hold your position. Hold your position. Oh, I know you're going to want to lose that position because it's getting harder. The weight's heavier. It seems like it's not changing yet. You've been praying this whole time and it still hasn't changed. Hold your position. Hold it. Abraham held his position for about 24 years before the promise of Isaac. 24 years. Hold your position. Hold it. And what does that look like when I'm holding my position? I'm praising. I'm rejoicing. I'm thanking the Lord. Come on, praise it's on my lips. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 15, through him, through God, then let us continually up, offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Notice it's a sacrifice. Praising God is not easy. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. But it says continually offer up that praise, that sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of your lips that acknowledge his name. How do you speak about your life right now is so important. However you speak about it. 
Because the Bible even says in Proverbs that it's either causing life or death. The fruit of our lips has his name on it. See the salvation of your Lord. Notice that deliverance will come. When I stand firm, when I hold my position, deliverance will come. It will come. Well, do you say, well, that's false hope. That's false faith. No, it's not. Because what does the world have to offer? See, I find it always amusing that we question the things of God and we put more faith in the things of this world than we do in God. Like, why? Because it didn't work for you right then and there? But how did you know that it worked for you right then and there? Faith. Faith. How do I know I received my answer when I prayed? In faith. That's when I got it. How do I know I'm healed of my body? When I prayed in faith. It's mine. I'm healed. And you say, well, the fact is you're still not. Look at your body. Well, that's not faith. Because faith goes against all human fact. Faith goes against all human senses. If it didn't, then it wouldn't be faith at all. It wouldn't be faith. I mean, tell me the process of how you got born again. You wouldn't be able to tell me unless by faith. Amen? Nobody could hear. And you only know because of what the Word says. But you have to put faith in that Word to even believe that you will go to heaven and not hell. So why is it so hard to believe just in healing and for things on this earth? I mean, you're believing for eternal life. We got to get to a place even on earth. We have faith. In verse 19, it says, And the Levites and the Kothites and the Korathites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Look at this. Actually, verse 18. Sorry, I missed that. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judea, or all Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites, and I just read those guys, they stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a loud, with a very loud voice. Notice this. They're worshiping and praising God for the word of the Lord that was given. This is their response to the word of the Lord that was given. God has given us a word for this church of harvest. And our response should be praise and worship. It should be a response of saying, I'm not looking at what we have, God. I'm not looking at what we can only do right now. God, I'm looking at what your word has said. I'm looking and I see it, Father God. I can see it. And I'm praising you for it. I'm worshiping you for it. God, I'm not looking at my marriage, what it looks like right now, but I'm looking at what it could be. God, I'm praising you. I'm worshiping you right now for it. I'm not looking at my life when it comes to my job and when it comes to direction within my life and what it is right now. But God, I can see what it could be. I'm praising you. I'm worshiping you. See, if you don't have God's word right now on your life for the things you're believing for, you're, then, you're already going to lose. You have to get God's word for the things you're believing for because that's what you have to stand upon because that's the only sure foundation that will be able to stand the test and the trial of life. You got to stand on his word. You have to. So if you're believing for things but you're not standing on his word, well, you're going to easily be swayed and say, well, maybe it's not God. Maybe it's not his will. Well, God didn't answer that prayer again. If you're not having prayers answered, that's not God's fault. That's your believing. That's your faith. That's your trust in him. Look, my prayers get answered. Because I'm putting my faith in God. 
So you have to go back and say, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? God, am I praising in this area? God, am I worshiping this area? This is where you even pray in the Holy Ghost. You pray in tongues. You pray in spirit. You build yourself up, the Bible says, on your most holy faith. This is why we're a spirit-filled church. When I pray in tongues, I'm building myself up to my most holy faith, being able to believe and trust in God. Even the Spirit of God is deposited within me from the Father, things that I don't know. He's revealing the mysteries of God to me. Amen? Have you ever been in a moment where you're just praying and you're seeking God and you're praying in the Spirit and then God just begins to give you the understanding of what you're praying for and you begin to pray in the understanding? Even Paul said that it's his desire that, that you could pray in the understanding of what you're praying in the Spirit. The Lord reveal it to you. And in those moments, what happens, I mean, you get a revelation. You get a knowing. You get a surety. That God, I know you're working for me. And it brings joy. It brings peace. Amen? Now look, we're going to finish this off real quick. They rose early in the morning and went out in the wilderness of Teoka. And when they went out, Joseph had stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. Now he, he goes on to read, and when he had, ta- had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. Notice this, that the people in the front of the battalion of the army are not the men of valor, David's mighty men. No, it's the praisers. It's the choir. They're going first. The praisers. Now, this was God's way when it came to this specific battle. Not every battle was like this. But I think we can learn something from it even within our own life. You might be ready to fight, and the way you fight might not be the way God wants you to fight. Maybe that posture today should be a posture of praise. I'm going to praise. They sang a song that said, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. What song do you have within your heart today? Maybe it's something similar to this. Maybe you don't have anything yet. I would pray that you get one in your heart, that you start speaking. There's many psalms in the Bible that David spoke and other writers wrote that you can take from and use for your life today because they're prophetic in nature, amen? Those psalms that David's saying, have you ever read them before? And you say, man, he's speaking to my life right now too. That's prophetic. It's not just for his time, but it's also for now. In verse 22, And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, or when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against against the men of Ammon, Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. Look at this. Their praise unto God caused the Lord to set an ambush. It just caused them to destroy one another, if you read in the next verse. They destroyed one another. Their praise caused confusion. Their praise caused the Lord to work. Notice that it wasn't necessarily their praise 
that caused the confusion and the destroying to happen. No, it was their praise in God, and then God did his will. God did his work. We don't always know how God's going to work. We don't know always God how he's going to do what he wants to do, but we just praise him anyways. It wasn't because they praised that God did what he did. So their praise didn't cause it. But it was their praise in God. They're praising God. And God's the one that did it. God may do things within your life not where you're not able to comprehend it. Where you don't understand it. But he's God and God can do it the way he wants to. And what does that mean? God may tell you to do something that you don't want to do. God may call upon you to make a choice and make decisions that are hard. God may ask you, ask of you to do something that you thought he would have said a different way. I've prayed for things sometimes for years thinking it was going to happen a certain way and God said, you're thinking it all wrong. I'm not going to do it that way. So we can't put a limit on God and put God in a place where we think we can direct him and how he's going to do it. We just praise him no matter what. And however he seems fit to do it, let him do it. And he just so he thought he was going to do it this way. This is this how he did it. He caused them to destroy one another. Today, as you praise God, as you trust in God, know this, that there is a garment of praise for heaviness. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.